EPL show on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie.ag. Right now, to honor football, MyBookie is offering up to $1,000 in free bets using the promo code SGP. That's right, $1,000 in bonus bets on your first deposit when you use the promo code SGP. Play, win, and get paid at MyBookie.ag. The EPL show is also brought to you by Amazon. You probably already shop at Amazon, but why not shop at Amazon and support us here at the Sports Gambling Podcast for bringing you these shows for free. All you have to do to support us is log on to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Amazon, bookmark that link and use it every time you shop at Amazon to support the podcast today. Let it ride. You are listening to the EPL show here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter at the SGP Network. Follow me at LockBetting and check out the website LockBetting.com. Last week on the EPL show, we went seven and three with our picks. That is a pretty regular number for us. We've gone seven and three a lot this season. Contrary to some of the bullshit that I deal with on Twitter. This show is doing really well this season in terms of the picks. Uh, the underdogs are 6-0. and Liverpool and over 2.5 goals cashed last week. That was the dog play because it was a plus 200. I also like Liverpool and both teams to score. I also like Leicester and I also like West Ham as underdogs and both of them won. If you go over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com and read my article, you will see what I had to say about those games. So uh, on a pretty good run here and if the locks improve, I'll be very happy with the start to the season but they are currently sitting at three and five and what we will do this week is we will immediately try to remedy that. We are going to do the show in reverse this week because I'm going to be talking a lot about Tottenham and Manchester United and Chelsea and the problems those teams are having and why they haven't been involved in the title race and why they're even struggling to get inside the confines of the top four. And I may even throw Arsenal into that conversation as well because there are a lot last week. But I'm mainly going to focus on Man United and Tottenham. Um, But I'm going to start with a lock and uh, the lock this week, and there's going to be two of them. I'm going to start with the two locks for this week. And um, the second one is quite complicated. So make sure you are paying attention to what I'm saying. The first lock is Chelsea. Now, this team was put up relatively decent performances on and off through the season. And then all of a sudden, they will put out a really, really flat one. And not even a flat performance entirely, just flat in terms of flat periods of the game where they where they either get caught, they were sloppy against Man United, they were sloppy when they were 5-0 up against Wolves, uh, they were sloppy against Valencia. Um, they, they've been, they, there's loads of examples of it. There's also examples of good play as well. What hasn't happened though, is they haven't put together a a solid performance at home to the point where they're able to go on and win a home game. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Chelsea, at this stage of the season, a massively successful team, despite the fact that they are currently on a transfer ban, but they're still a great team, haven't been able to win a home game this season. And they've even already faced Sheffield United and uh, they were held to a 2-2 draw from a situation where they were two up. Um... If we run through their season, we saw that they started with that 4-0 loss at United. 
a game which they dominated for periods. Um, the 2-2 against Leicester, uh, against Liverpool, sorry, in the Super Cup, that was a relatively decent performance throughout. They let Leicester back in a game and were held to a one-all draw after being one-up. They had a shootout with uh, Norwich and at times they looked offensively poor there as well. Two up and coasting against Sheffield United, held back to 2-2. Uh, a 5-2 against Wolves. The 1-0 home defeat against Valencia, which I believe is their poorest result of the season. Um, debatable with that Sheffield United one, but that one could cost them progress in the Champions League. A 2-1 defeat last week against Liverpool where they had a goal disallowed from VAR, which would have probably changed the game. Uh, and then this week in the Cup, they won 7-1 at home against Grimsby. So when I say they haven't won at home, they haven't won at home in the league. They now come up against Brighton. This is prime, prime, primo opportunity for Chelsea to pick up their first home win of the season. And I know I've already been hurt with a lock this season, uh, and that was Chelsea versus Sheffield United. But I cannot ignore this opportunity because if they don't win this game then we're waiting to the middle of October or 19th of October where they play against uh, Newcastle at home and I'm relatively certain that they'll win that one as well and then we head across to November where we look at the Palace game on the 9th of November so what I'm actually looking at here is for Chelsea to go on a little bit of a run off the back of this result. I think they can beat Brighton at home. I think in the next game they can win in Southampton. I think that they can beat Newcastle at home. Um, it'll be a tough game to win at Burnley, but I think it's winnable for them. They can certainly win at Watford, the way Watford are playing this season. And then they have the home game against Chelsea, and then they travel to Manchester City. Going into that Manchester City game, this team with that fixture list, should be in the top four. Now, I'm not tipping Chelsea necessarily to finish inside the top four because I do think Tottenham will get them get themselves right. And I do believe that Arsenal do have a, a, a better team than Chelsea overall. And they're sort of more prepared for it with Unai Emery at the wheel as opposed to Frank Lampard, who's been giving a free pass this season. Lampard doesn't have to do anything this season he's a free man he has one season to experiment barring them being relegated or possibly finishing in the bottom half Lampard will be the manager in the next season this is as I said an experimental season for Chelsea it's a free hit there is no expectation on him it's a transitional season where they're embedding these new youngsters so despite the fact that um, it is a bit of a free hit. I do expect Chelsea to to beat these types of teams, starting with this Saturday against Brighton. Here's part two of the lock. Part two of the lock is Tottenham. Now, Tottenham have looked inconsistent all season. They had a 4-0 win against Crystal Palace, didn't play the second half. They should have beaten Leicester, and I will say... Had they gone 2-0 up and VAR hadn't intervened for the stupidest reason of some guy having his shoulder blade in front of the line, I don't even think that's a scoring part of the body necessarily, but that's what happened. Um, they would have won that game last week. They would have gone 2-0 up against Leicester, but it didn't happen. And uh, they were rattled by that decision. And then Leicester went up the other end and scored a goal and then went on to win it through James Madison. Now, that's bad luck. What isn't bad luck is the going out is going out of the cup to Colchester. Now, granted, this was their second team because you'll probably be turning around to me and saying, well, if you're so downbeat on this team, why are you picking them for a lock? Because in periods of this season, they've looked very good. And the first half, they looked okay against Olympiacos. They looked okay when they were beating Palace 4-0 at home. They looked 
terrible when they were losing to Manchester City, but somehow managed to pull out a result. They looked great in the first half against Arsenal, but looked terrible in the second. This is the most Jekyll and Hyde team, and it doesn't help with the fact that we have players trying to see out the end of their contracts. We have a stale team who who don't know how to get over the line in big competitions, and we have a manager that doesn't seem like he wants to be there and is making very, very strange comments. But this week they are against Southampton at home. And it really is a must-win situation off the back of their last two results. And if they do go ahead in this game, and it has been a problem for them this season, staying ahead, I don't think Southampton have the quality to get back into the game. Now, I will say this. um, Michio Pochettino is talking like a man who is trying to get himself out of the club. He's not particularly bothered about the defeats when he talked about them um, last week because he's a, because he's a supporter of VAR possibly he may have talked himself into a corner because last week he couldn't exactly come on and bash the VAR or, or express any anger about it so I'll give him a pass on that one but his general, general demeanour doesn't seem too concerned about the fact that this team um, has gone out to Colchester and this team is already out of the title race and this team let a 2-0 lead and slip against Arsenal and this team lost to Leicester um, off the back of a bad decision it, it, it's very odd and he just doesn't seem like somebody that's going to be there next year which kind of goes hand in hand with um, what I want to talk about with Manchester United but keep this point in mind because I want to finish what we're doing here with the locks uh, and the dogs and the parlays so the parlay this week is something we've never done before it's a one team two leg parlay and it will feature Tottenham to beat Southampton and Tottenham to beat Brighton next week. Tottenham travel to Brighton next week, and I'm taking Tottenham to win both of those games. Now, a way a parlay works, it's two legs, it's all the winnings, sorry, all of the revenue from one parlay, not the winnings, all of the revenue from one parlay going on to another. Now, what that means is, is if you put £100 on Tottenham this week, and you turn it into 150 you then put that entire 150 onto Tottenham against Brighton next week at even money. You do not put just the winnings on it. So the parlay is Tottenham to win this week and Tottenham to win next week at Brighton. That is a two to one parlay and that is an official play. So we're locking Tottenham up here for two weeks but we're uh, taking the units and putting them onto Tottenham again next week at Brighton. So that's relatively simple. It's the first time I've ever done it. I've never, ever given you an official parlay that stretches across two weeks. And um, I am doing that one today. So it doesn't mean that there won't be a um, a little lean parlay maybe um, next week. It's, it's not replacing that. It's the parlay for this week. It's Tottenham, Tottenham. I really do feel that this team have two winnable games and they will get themselves out of this situation. I feel both of these teams will go on runs, but there are problems there. Um, Frank Lampard probably isn't going to make the Champions League this season, and he will need to find a way to attract players next season uh, once Chelsea can buy again. Tottenham. Their manager doesn't seem like he wants to be there, but I think they're too good to not make the Champions League. Will they win anything? No, I don't think they will. 
Arsenal. Arsenal are going to probably get lucky this season and they will be able to get into this top four by the fact that, by the default, really, that Chelsea are in this transitional season and the fact that Manchester United are very, very, very poor. Now, before I talk to Man- about Man United, I'm going to talk about Leicester, just uh, just just to give them a mention. They are a real threat to this top four because if Arsenal don't get any better and Chelsea don't get any better and Tottenham don't get any better, and I'm pretty certain that Man United are not going to get any better, and I'm going to talk about it in a minute, then this team could sneak in there. I think they're contenders for the EFL Cup. I think they're contenders for the top four. I think they're much stronger contenders than Manchester United are, who I think may even struggle to get into the top six. And um, this this is a real good team. And when we were looking at them last week against Tottenham, it wasn't too much difference between the sides. And if you were, and if, it, if last week that was the game of the week, uh, the combined eleven between Leicester and Tottenham would have been very very interesting because I think I would have gone for at least four Leicester players in that team. So. This is not a bad side at all. And um, they're not there by accident. I said at the start of the season, I tipped them. It was a it was a play that I gave out. This team was significantly better, in my opinion, than Everton and Wolves, although all the teams were priced together to win the league without the top six. It was a market that was available and it was led by Everton, Wolves and Leicester. And I was 100% confident about this Leicester team. And I still am. They're actually better than I even thought they would be. And we saw that last week. And um, they peppered the goal in the second half against Manchester United. and should have got something there as well. So watch out for Leicester. But uh, I think the way it's going to finish overall is um, the one and two is going to be City and Liverpool. And uh, as things look at the moment, I lean Liverpool. Liverpool are top. City have got too many injuries. Uh, Liverpool prioritise the league. City don't prioritise anything necessarily. Uh, they just they just go for everything. Um, and if it does come down to prioritising one competition at the end of the season, I believe Liverpool will prioritise the league and City will prioritise the Champions League, which gives them an advantage. And as I said, the injuries at City are pretty bad. Uh, third place, it's got to be Tottenham. Despite the fact this is a team in turmoil, I think they'll end up in third. And fourth, only by the fact that they're more prepared for it and they have been able to buy players and they do have a more experienced manager. Arsenal just, just, just about ahead of Chelsea, in my opinion, at the moment. And I have Leicester in sixth. And then I have my team, Man United, in seventh. In all the years that I've watched football, and been to football matches, I've never seen a performance that was more piss poor than what Manchester United put out last week. I took my son to this game. I had to purchase West Ham memberships for both of us. And I usually do that every season anyway, because West Ham's right by my house and I like to go and see them play against the other big teams because it's not necessarily to see or support West Ham, but it gives my son an opportunity to watch Man City, to watch Liverpool, to watch Tottenham in the season right by our house as well. But um, in this particular week, weekend, he got to see Manchester United, the team that I'm forcing him to support because my dad supported Manchester United and then I supported Manchester United and it worked out for me absolutely fine because when I was growing up as a kid, I loved it because I was wearing the shirt of the team that were winning everything. My son, I'm making him suffer through this shit. We had to watch the worst performance I've ever seen and that includes watching Minnow's come to Wembley and get battered by England, which I watched a lot when I was growing up. I mean, at least they had an idea about what they were trying to do. They were trying to avoid a big defeat against a team with better players. 
Last week, Man United had the better players. They just didn't have a clue what they were doing, whether that was down to the coaching, whether that was down to the attitude of the players, uh, whether that was down to the fact that among those five or six good players that we're supposed to have, we have people in the team like Ashley Young, who is without doubt <coughs> the worst player I've ever seen live in my life. He cannot tackle. He cannot shoot. He cannot head. He cannot cross. He cannot pass. He cannot do anything that it requires to be a professional footballer. Not only should this guy not be playing for Manchester United or any team in the top six, he shouldn't be playing in the EPL. He is fucking shit. I have no idea how Ashley Young is playing for our team. We have Pereira and Scott McTominay in the team that cannot control the ball. Uh, Marcus Rashford is injured, but he has no support and he's not a striker because when the ball goes into him, he's no threat at all in the air. We sold our threat in the air. We sold Romelu Lukaku to Inter Milan. Now we've got nothing in the box for when the crosses come in. Greenwood's too young to play. Paul Pogba doesn't want to be there and he's got some phony injury at the moment and I don't know what the situation is with Anthony Martial because him and Pogba were out at the same time and they were both supposed to be back in the next week but for some reason they're not and um I feel sorry for people in the team that are trying uh, David De Gea is trying even though he's he's lost a lot of quality in the last two years and I'm, and I'm maybe starting to regret the fact that we gave him such a big contract uh, Harry Maguire and can't really blame him for anything. He's just got here and he's dealing with his shit. Aaron Bissaka, another new signing. He just seems to to run up and down. Victor Lindelof, I can't question his effort, uh, but he's very inconsistent. Sometimes he's good, mainly when he plays for Sweden, because there's no way Sweden would pull out some of the results that they do without a, a world-class defender. And he seems to be world-class for, for Sweden, but the Man U shirt just seems to be too big for him. Uh, Nemanja Matic, his legs is gone. He needs to fuck off. Uh, McTominay isn't good enough to be a Man United player. Yeah, he tries hard and he wins tackles and, and, and things of that nature, but so did Darren Fletcher. And Darren Fletcher isn't one of the all-time great Manchester United players. In fact, when we were playing with the likes of Park and Fletcher in our team and Anderson, we won things with a we won things in spite of them. It was it was to Alex Ferguson's credit that we actually won any games with such a poor midfield. Not only did we win games, we won the league back in 2013. It was a miracle. And, and now we're really seeing some of the miracles that Fergie pulled off because I'm not sure that even he could do anything with this crop of shit that we've got on the pitch at the moment. Uh, Jesse Lingard is too busy trying to be uh, a model and trying to get Instagram followers. Um, I, I don't know how he's a model. The guy's an ugly cunt. And yet he's photographed in, in the Man United catalogue and on junk emails that I get every single week wearing a different piece of clothing. He really needs to concentrate on football. He's not young anymore. He, he's coming into like his late 20s at this and he's not achieved anything in football. Um I think the perception of Jesse Lingard is that he's like a 19, 18-year-old. He's not. He's not. He's, he's well, well into his 20s. And he's fucking shit. He, he's never been worse. He can't do anything at this point in time. We're solely relying on Marcus Rashford, who, who isn't a striker. Now, what Marcus Rashford contributes to striker and what Marcus Rashford contributes from a wide position... Um, needs need to be judged differently. Juan Mata is another player. He passed his best about four years ago. So why is he playing for Manchester United? The team is an absolute joke. And it, I'm embarrassed to watch him. I can't watch them anymore. And even before 
I did this show, I had all of this stuff to say, and then they go and prove me right by going to a penalty shootout against Rochdale. Go and have a look what league Rochdale are in. It's fucking embarrassing. I, I can't take it anymore. Um, I won't be backing this team in any kind of bets. Uh, I'm not looking for any kind of resurgence. Um, I don't know what manager I want in um, who, who can do a better job because... Um, I know for sure Solskjaer is the wrong man to do it. Um, his experience is from Cardiff, where he failed, and a couple of wins in a Norwegian league where I could manage a team there. So uh, I don't think Solskjaer's right, but I also don't know who's going to come in and take this team back to where they should be. In fact, I would take somebody now that would just take them back into the top four. Because under Mourinho, we finished second. And when Mourinho said that was the, the one of the greatest achievements of his career, we laughed at him and thought it was Mourinho mind games, Mourinho politics, just standard Mourinho bullshit. But it turns out it was 100% true. And what we should have done after finishing second was give a shitload of money to Jose Mourinho to go and get the defenders that he needed to get. Instead, we buy Harry Maguire a season later under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Why? Why would you give Solskjaer the money and not Mourinho? I'll tell you why. Because I think everybody knows that Ole Solskjaer isn't going to stay in this job for long. And it seems to me that Man United are simply letting this season go by the by and are playing the waiting game from Mauricio Pochettino. Now... If you are doing that, then Mauricio Pochettino has to be a 100% fit for Manchester United. The problem is, is Mauricio Pochettino has never won anything in his career and he has the players to do that. Now, granted, he made them th those good players that they are. So if, he, so if he does end up getting these players to the next level, the likes of Gomez and, and, uh, and Rashford and Greenwood and I'll, I'll use Lingard in there, but loosely, and Wambasaka. If he does groom these players and they do end up being as good a quality as the Spurs players and they do end up being full-time internationals, then that's great. Then Mauricio Pochettino is the man to get us back into the top four. But can he win anything? Based on his past track record, no, he can't. But does it look like it's happening? Yes, it does. Because this is a man talking like he's trying to get fired from a job. I've no doubt about that at all. In addition to that, as I said at the start of the season, um, the Manchester United signings looked suspicious. We didn't get Aubameyang and the other players that we were linked to. Uh, we didn't get Dybala. In fact, we didn't get anybody who, who was over 25 years old. We got young fullback and a young centre-back. We tied David De Gea to a contract. That was the business that Manchester United decided to do. The, the back line is young. If you look at it, Wan-Bissaka, Lindelof, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, David De Gea, this back line can play for five or six years and it can improve under a manager that knows what he's doing, which isn't Solskjaer. The midfield needs a lot of work. We need to stop building the team around Paul Pogba and we do need to sign, I think, a full midfield. I don't even think Matomine is good enough to be there, even though that's a player that the Manchester United supporters seem to like. Rashford, up top, Absolutely fine. Um, I would just play him out wide, though, and um, look for somebody to buy in the middle. Martial as well. I think he can be a decent player. I think he might even end up being a decent striker. We haven't seen enough of it yet. But we do need people behind them to create. And that does involve buying an entire midfield next summer and spending over 300 million in getting the players in. And that includes a a, center, a backup centre-back, a backup left-back, because Luke Shaw's injured all the fucking time. Uh, we need another winger. 
Um, because at the moment we've got Rashford and Daniel James and they're the only two people I'd play uh, I'd play Martial as, as a striker or a backup striker which means we also need one more and when I say one more I'm talking about 120 100 to 150 50 million pound player that scores every single week and can win the ball in the air funnily we funny enough we sold Lukaku who I felt wasn't doing a bad job for us but he's gone but we do need somebody even better than that. Somebody who has a two, so has a first touch and somebody that can score in the big games. But more importantly than that, there's no point having that striker if we don't have the midfield behind it. There's a lot of work that needs to be done to this team. And as things stand, they are not going to finish in the top six. They're definitely not going to finish in the top four. In fact, you can put anything on it. I'll give you that as a free lock right now. This fucking team are not going to finish in the top four. They are shit. They are, it's the worst Man United team I've ever seen in my lifetime, bar none. At least with with Moyes, he inherited some of the some of the quality players from from Alex Ferguson, Van Hal. He had plenty of money to bring in quality players. It just happened to be the likes of Di Maria didn't settle. Jose Mourinho. This this team is full of Mourinho signings, but. Over the years since uh, since he signed them, the likes of Matic have have got considerably worse. And um, I don't want to make this a full Man U show because I can go on and on and on and on and do an entire podcast about the show. But I'll just leave it at the fact that this team is shit. I've lost all belief in them. I don't want to watch them anymore. I don't want to bet on them anymore. Um, I may bet against them. Um, which I will do uh, right here. Uh, and I'm going to close out with the dog here on this show. And it's going to be Arsenal uh, on the double chance though, because I want to protect that dog record now. Um, and I don't want to take Arsenal as an outright pick simply because Arsenal have a very, very poor away record in the Premier League. However, if you're looking at this game on paper, if I find it very, very difficult to understand why Arsenal are being priced up as a 21 to 10 underdog, Arsenal have got nearly every single player available in this game. In contrast, Manchester United are missing their main two attacking players in terms of Martial and Marcus Rashford. Now, this is pretty much the same team, give or take a few players, Maguire will play, and Lindelof will play, and David De Gea will play, and Daniel James will play. Other than that, all of the same players will play. Pogba, Lingard, Pereira, uh, Wan-Bissaka, all of these people played when Manchester United drew one all with Rochdale. Rochdale. Uh, Greenwood, he'll probably be up front in the absence of those two. Now, you're telling me the team that drew one all against Rochdale should be the 5-4 to four favourites against Arsenal when Arsenal are available as 21-10 to 10 underdogs and are available at 6-5 to five on the draw-no-bet market. I'm taking Arsenal here on the draw-no-bet market. I do like him as an underdog, but I would like to protect our underdog record here, and I think the draw-no-bet market is completely safe. There is no way Manchester United win this game, so our dog record will remain intact. Uh, either we go 7-0 or we will have a push here with a draw because uh, Manchester United are not beating this Arsenal team. And as I said, the only reason I'm not going all out here with the 21 to 10 is simply because of Arsenal's 
woeful away record and um, they probably have lost games to worse teams than this Manchester United team on paper uh, as of course they've gone and lost at, at teams like uh, Burnley and and Bournemouth and and Crystal Palace that, that that probably has happened over the last five to ten years when Arsenal have not been a very good away team and they have been players that have um, that have grinded uh, their way out to victories and have just out toughened Arsenal now I don't think that we've got tough players here that are going to win like that, but we may get a lucky break and we may just win it with effort. We, we may, we may grind out a draw with effort because maybe he will get an effort out of these players because it's a TV game on a Monday against a big team. But, I am clutching at straws to make a case for Manchester United to draw this game. How sad is that? I'm making a, a case and trying my best to make a case and clutching at straws for Manchester United to get a draw at home to Arsenal, a team that are just about clinging on for the top four. What would Liverpool do to us? What would Manchester City do to us in this game? What would Tottenham do to us? We are fucking shit. And that's why Arsenal are the underdog play this week. So I'm going to recap all of that before I move on to the other games. Obviously, when I do the other games, I'm not going to talk about Arsenal Man U. I'm not going to talk about Chelsea Brighton. I'm not going to talk about Tottenham Southampton anymore. I'm going to breeze through the other games quickly. Um, But to recap the locks, lock one was Chelsea. Lock two was Tottenham. The parlay, which stretches across from this week and goes on to next week with a lock, is uh, Tottenham Tottenham. That's a one team, two leg parlay. Tottenham at home, Southampton. Tottenham away to uh, Brighton. And then the underdog play is Arsenal here on the draw no bet market. In a sense, um, for the, I know what's going to happen here. There's going to be confusion in terms of people saying, Am I advocating? Uh, putting two units on Tottenham. Yes, I am. One unit is on Tottenham as a lock. The other unit is a separate play for them as a parlay. It would be a hell of a lot easier if you just got the parlay this week um, and, and was able to bet it right now because there are a lot of bookies that have already priced up two le- two weeks worth of Premier League. And you'll get a price anyway because if Tottenham win emphatically this week, then um, some of the bookies will will change the price on, on that. In fact, they've already did they already did that with uh, with Chelsea because um, they are still available at eight to fifteen, uh, but it's not as at many prices uh, many places as it was when I originally had Chelsea down on my paper. It was down at four to seven. Now they're at one to two or four to nine in some places off the back of winning seven one with their with their kids in the cup. So, so be wary of that. If you can get Tottenham now as a double at one to two in evens with an overall payout at two to one, get that now. Get Arsenal now. Don't wait for the team news until people finally work out this is going to be a full strength team against a shitty Man U team where most of the players couldn't beat Rochdale. Do your business now as soon as this podcast drops. Moving on to Saturday's game, Sheffield United versus Liverpool. Sheffield United seven to one. 19 to 5 the draw and it's 1 to 3 on Liverpool. Um if I was doing a parlay this week, um Liverpool would definitely be a part of it. I may still be doing a parlay over at lockbetting.com so make sure you check that out. Uh, for an official pick on this one I'm going for Liverpool and over 1.5 goals in the game. Uh, you can also do that as over 1.5 team goals because if Liverpool are going to win this game and there's over 1.5 goals if Sheffield United score one of them it'll be a losing bet because it'll be a one-all game. Um so um yeah, Liverpool went over 1.5 and uh, that's available at 4-6 to six minus 150. 
Saturday's games, it's a real dull slate here, other than the two games that we've locked. So, so we'll have an interest, but I don't know how much interest I'll have betting some of these. We've got Villa Burnley, Bournemouth West Ham. Uh, Palace and Norwich and uh, and Wolves versus Watford. I think West Ham and Bournemouth would be interesting just based on the league positions that those two are in. Um, Aston Villa are 7-5 to beat Burnley, 12-5 to draw 19-10 on Burnley. I think we might have ourselves uh, a low-scoring game here where, uh, where the team that breaks through first will go and win it. I think Burnley are a live dog, but I do prefer to go with the under two and a half goals in this game, which is available at 10 to 11. It's 10 to 11 over, it's 10 to 11 under. Tight Premier League game, early six-pointer because we don't know how the, the rest of the season is going to go for these two teams. I think one of them could certainly be sucked into a relegation race, but uh, I think neither of them are going to end up going down. Uh, two more teams that certainly won't go down. Bournemouth, West Ham. 7-5 Bournemouth, 13-5 the draw and 17-10 on West Ham. West Ham won't keep a clean sheet at Bournemouth and Bournemouth never keep a clean sheet against anybody. So the safest thing to do here is to take both teams to score at 4-7 to seven and uh, don't even bother trying to work out who wins this game. I think Bournemouth will probably win with the home advantage, but West Ham looked good last week. Um at, at, at home at the London Stadium and then now they have to somehow try and forget about what happened in midweek where they lost 4-0 to Oxford and then go concentrate back on the Premier League again this will be a relatively decent game and it will certainly have goals and um, if I hadn't been so I didn't have my mind completely set as to how I was going to play my locks this week and, and what I wanted to talk about on this show and uh, the, the change of format. Uh, this one may have figured in because of, there will be goals in this game. Crystal Palace versus Norwich sees Palace as the even money favourites, 13 to 5 to draw and 11 to 4 on Norwich. Difficult game here because Norwich had a big letdown spot last week against Burnley, and I'm not too sure if they're going to be any better this week against Crystal Palace. Previously, they were scoring in all of their games. Both teams to score was a safe bet. But uh, last week, I just had a feeling about Burnley because uh, Norwich were off that win. And, and I just think that Norwich may be on uh, some kind of slide here now after that. We could see a, a set of results that, that, that go against them. And this could be another one. I think Palace could do with a win themselves. And um, I do like them here at even money, where a lot of people, including myself, are kind of looking at Sheffield United to be the lowest team from, the lowest promoted team from last season. But Norwich even though they've already beaten Man City, they can easily slide in that to, into that position because they need to forget about that now. They need to forget about that win. Uh, it, was a, it was a massive thing that they did. They took City's unbeaten record, but now they have to concentrate on the um, on the less glamorous games here and that includes a trip to Crystal Palace and um, I, I, I don't think they will adjust just yet. I don't think they'll go down, um, but I, I just think that they are still riding the, the honeymoon period of that big win. Up next, we go to Wolves versus Watford, where it's 17 to 20 on Wolves, 5 to 2 to draw, and 16 to 5 on Watford. 
this Wolves team need to win a game. Um, they've had a really, really poor start to the Premier League season. They're no way in contention for that seventh spot. Uh, they'll be lucky to finish in the top half this season, but I do think that they still will. And because um, I think, I just think they have two good of players and they're being damaged by the Europa League. Well, there is no Europa League coming into this fixture. So this is a really, really must win situation. It's against the, the, the bottom team in the league and it's coming off rest. Wolves are still available at 11 to 10 to finish in the top half. So I was actually looking at that as a bet this week and thinking they would still finish in the top half and looking at their league position. I was thinking I would get somewhere over plus 200, but unfortunately the bookies are not that generous, but um, I think Wolves win this game against Watford. And again, that was another one I looked at had the format of this show not been so predetermined this week. um, I'd certainly be looking at Wolves as well. Moving on to the late game on Saturday night, which is Everton versus Manchester City. Had we not had Man United versus Arsenal this week, this probably would have been the game of the week, especially because Everton are in such a desperate situation. I didn't mention them at the top of the show with the uh, other teams when we were doing the, the teams in crisis talk, but that's because they've never, ever been a top six team. They should be with the size of the club, the amount of supporters and the money that they've spent but they're not. And that is the problem. And I don't think this manager is the guy to take them forward. I was fuming last week about losing that lock. Um, but not only because we lost a lock because um, we've been used to that this season. It hasn't been very good, but simply because it was against Sheffield United who have now done us for the third time this season. Not only that, but we are suffering in terms of our half unit, uh, sorry, our five unit bet on Sheffield United to get relegated from the league, which was done on the EPL season preview. If these teams stays up, it's going to hit us for five units in May and we don't want that to happen and we need them to stop getting results. And at the moment, Unbelievably, they are priced at two to one to be relegated with only Villa and Newcastle priced above them. And um, that's odd because they are within the top three. But the reason that that is, is because there isn't a single team who are odds on to go down. So what that means in in a sense is, is that the bookies have absolutely no idea. So if you have a strong, strong feeling for any of these relegation teams, you are going to get plus money on absolutely all of them. Uh, Newcastle are the standout favourites at 11 to 10. Aston Villa are available 13 to 8. Sheffield United are available 2 to 1. Norwich are 2 to 1. Watford are 2 to 1. Brighton are 5 to 2. So just narrowly um, bigger than the others uh, that I just mentioned. And Burnley 3 to 1. Southampton 4 to 1. Uh, 9 to 2 on Crystal Palace. If you like Everton, who we're about to talk about, they're 11 to 1. I don't think there's any chance that Everton go down this season. And um, I do think whatever happens, they will end up fixing this because they have too many good players and they will end up in the top half. They're actually five to six to finish in the top half, which is bizarre given that Wolves, as I mentioned earlier, were 11 to 10 and um, have made an even worse start than Everton have and, and don't have as good a squad as Everton do. So that's a great bet for me. And it's odd advocating a bet for Everton at the moment, looking at their league position. But I do honestly feel that they are going to have a change in managers. I don't think this is the guy to take them forward. He could even go this weekend, depending on the manner of defeat. 
and it will be a defeat against Manchester City. They're unbackable at this price. Um, if I was going to do a parlay this week, I would certainly include City and Liverpool because we are finally getting them at prices where it's worth putting them together because they're not at minus 600 or 700 or whatnot. They are at decent enough prices where you could put them together this week and pick up a win. See what I do over at lockbetting.com. For an official play on this one, uh, I'm going to go for City to win. And uh, and both teams to score because as good as Man City are, they're just not keeping clean sheets at the moment, and that is only available at seven to four. So that kind of shows you how badly the or what bad shape the City defence is in at the moment without Laporte and Stones. But it doesn't matter if they concede a goal here against this Everton team; they can probably score a three or four. Closing out with the Sunday game, as you know, I've already done the Monday game, which is Manchester United and Arsenal. There'll also be an article about that over at the thesportsgamblingpodcast.com where I talk about the uh, the game of the week and give my predictions for the scorelines for these games. And um, therefore, we are going to close out with Leicester-Newcastle. Leicester, under one to two odds. Again, another great bet. I could honestly have five locks on this show, I swear to you. Um check out the website lockben.com I'll say it one more time because we're going to have some serious action on the Premier League this weekend uh, 4-7 to 29-10 to 10 to draw and 11-2 to Newcastle, uh, on Newcastle Newcastle won't be winning this game they, I know they won it last season and it was an upset and it really did break up the uh, Rodgers momentum after after a good start but that makes even more reason why they won't win again this week um, this team are not attacking well at all they allowed uh, Brighton that's Brighton to have over 70% of the ball last week and Brighton couldn't score. If you allow Leicester to have over 60% of the ball, they're going to score against you and Leicester will dominate this game. Uh, they're going to look good on Sunday on Sunday football, um, on Sky Super Sunday, sorry. And um, they're going to get a win over this Newcastle team at home. Um, I've nothing more to say about that other than this will be a comfortable Leicester City win. So, that concludes your podcast if you've uh, skipped right to the end to listen to the locks you better do a rewind because they are right at the beginning there are no locks here at the end of the show the locks were done at the beginning the parlor was done at the beginning and the dogs have uh, have been at the beginning as well so uh, we won't be carrying on with this format for, for too much longer it was um, just something I wanted to do this week because I really really wanted to talk about the, the state the teams are in and we shouldn't be having these uh, these crisis talks this early about these teams um, especially we should uh, with teams with ambitions we should be talking about teams with ambitions when they fail to fulfill their ambitions so once it looks like they're mathematically out of the league and they've gone out of the cups and it looks like Tottenham are going to finish third again. It looks like Man United and Arsenal are just praying for Champions League football and it looks like Chelsea's transitional season hasn't quite gone right. Uh, then when we talk about at the end of the season, well, they're all out of the league. It's a two-horse race already. Uh, we're six or seven games in and, and, and they are completely and utterly done. Uh, we have a Sheffield United team that have messed up three locks for us. We have um, a manager in Silver that could lose his job. We have an outsider in Solskjaer that can lose his job. How Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is still available at double figures at, at 10 to 1 in some places, I have no idea. Uh, it's between the two of them and one of them is going to go pretty soon. I can't see any other manager's heads on the chopping blocks. Um, it's a really interesting start to the season, but unfortunately it hasn't been one where you can lock anything up and whereas the picks on this show have been successful uh, I know I'm probably judged on the locks but um but yeah we need to we need to improve those the the dogs I will say again 6 and 0 the dog this week Arsenal on the draw no bet 
give it a go and also give lockbetting.com a go see what's available on there for the official players and also check out the European show which will be available on Friday that's it from me good luck with all of your bets as always and thanks for listening <laughs>